The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. You've tuned in to Columbia Calling, your first stop for everything you want to know about Columbia. How and where to invest, where to visit. From the Pacific to the Caribbean, the Andes Mountains to the Amazon jungle, Columbia has a slice of everything. Shooting from the hip, answering the questions that need answering. Here's your host, the journalist and hotelier, Richard McCall, shedding some light on the fashionable South American destination of Colombia. Hey, it's that time of the week again, folks. This is me, your host, Richard McCall, here in Bogota, Colombia, 2,600 meters closer to the stars. And this is episode 481 of the Columbia Calling podcast. We are back in Bogota, although although the episode, the segment three, was recorded in Mompos. I think it was a worldwide phenomenon, the heat, because even Mompos was really hot. I mean, it's hot always, but this time it was really hot. I mean, the average temperature was around 36, 35. Again, not out of the ordinary, but it felt like 40, 41. So we were moving pretty slowly there. Put a bit of a dampener on some of the progress of my various different projects in the pipeline, but at the same time, still moving forwards always and onwards. Thank you to everyone who tuned into last week's episode, Emily, with the people from Power Leaves. Uh, really excellent uh, episode and very interesting how the Power Leaves uh, seek to take on, let's say, Coca-Cola with the uh, natural coca product you know, of course decocainized this project product if you didn't uh, listen to it i highly recommend it thank you as well to our friends at la leyenda mountain bike race that's la leyenda uh dave proctor for sending myself and emily some swag from the race i got two tote bags and a very cool t-shirt uh, for cycling in and so i don't know what emily got but uh, and of course please always support our sponsors support latinnews.com and also support um bnb travel bnbcolumbia.com so you need to support those and of course at the moment we've got some input from erin donaldson at coffee access travel so these things are important to us as well so thank you so much everyone who is uh listening continually to the columbia calling podcast but not only that uh supporting us financially through patreon and of course through sponsorship and advertising uh that said this week is a slightly different one i've decided to do my own kind of monologue and of course there's been a lot of chatter around about books and so on and when am i bringing out my book and a friend of mine also said you know you should do a mompos related show whilst you're there so what i did is i i uh, polished up one of the chapters of the mompos project a story of love and hotels in colombia i polished it up and i'm reading it to you here on the columbia calling podcast so you get exclusive access to this to this uh, chapter of the book and it's about 
witchcraft. It's kind of a bit like Jack and Nori. For those of you who are old enough and from the UK, from England, back in the 70s and 80s, you remember a TV show called Jack and Nori, where celebrities read uh, excerpts from children's books. Well, this is not a celebrity and it's not a children's book, but at the same time, I'm reading a chapter of my book. And I hope to hear back from you what you think about it. It would be uh, really interesting to get some feedback. But thank you again, everyone. Now over to Emily Hart with the news, the Columbia News brief and then on to segment three where I read a chapter of my book and of course if you wish to please check out www.patreon.com forward slash Columbia Calling and if it's possible I always put uh, next week's episode up there a week ahead of time for our Patreon supporters so you can stay ahead of the curve with whatever Columbia Calling is bringing out. Great uh, episodes in the pipeline coming up. Gonna record a couple this week so won't uh, let you know until later and also always please listen to the latin news podcast as well we've just done one with uh, guatemala on guatemala which will be coming out on tuesday and then we'll be back with jenny pierce in a fortnight's time talking about what's going on in colombia so one of the top latin america uh, top latin americanists talking about colombia and colombia's politics in two weeks time so thank you everyone uh, don't go away the Columbia Calling podcast is sponsored by Latin News, a leading source of political and economic analysis on Latin America and the Caribbean since 1967. Their flagship publication, the Latin American Weekly Report, provides a behind-the-scenes briefing on all the week's key developments throughout the region. Sign up for a 14-day free trial at latinnews.com. We are also sponsored by... BNB Columbia Tours, which is a leading tour operator providing a wonderful range of exclusive small group shared tours for those over 50, along with customizable private tours to both popular and off-the-map destinations throughout this beautiful and diverse country. If you're interested in experiencing one of their unforgettable journeys through Colombia, be it a shared tour with like-minded travelers or creating a unique private package of your own just complete the form on the columbia calling website that's www.columbiacalling.co or the bnb columbia tours website that's www.bnbcolumbia.com and they'll be in touch within 24 hours to answer all of your questions and to start the planning of your exclusive colombian adventure so that's bnbcolumbia.com and latin news Com. Thank you for supporting our sponsors. I'm Emily Hart, and these are your headlines from Colombia for the week of Monday, 7th of August, 2023. Nicolás Petro, the eldest son of the president of Colombia, has been charged with illicit enrichment and money laundering. His ex-partner, De Vázquez, has been incriminated for the latter, as well as for violation of personal data. These allegations come as part of a scandal relating to illegal money entering the political campaign of President Gustavo Petro. Nicholas acknowledges that he did appropriate money. However, on Tuesday, the two were summoned by the prosecutor's office. Nicolas did not accept the charges against him, but did say that he will collaborate with the justice system. Allegations include that Nicolas received hundreds of millions of pesos of unreported money, including from the self-confessed drug trafficker Santander Lopez Sierra, known as the Marlboro Man. This money went into Petro's campaign for president, though the couple allegedly kept some of those funds, buying a mansion in Barranquilla under the name of Vasquez's uncle.
Petro himself denies any knowledge of the irregular money flowing into his campaign, and his son has stated there is evidence to support that claim, which he plans to present. Nonetheless, opposition marches have been announced for next week, calling for the trial of Gustavo Petro or his resignation. The prosecutor's office has also given evidence that the pair increased their wealth not only with money laundered through political campaigns, but also with contracts from the governor's office of Atlantico, through embezzled contracts that were intended to care for the elderly in that department. Meanwhile, one of the businessmen involved, the Marlborough man himself, has obtained enough signatures to endorse his candidacy for the mayor of Maicao in the department of La Guajira in local elections to be held later this year. A new survey has put President Gustavo Petro's favorability at 48% and his negative image rating at 46%. This is in stark contrast to recent polls which have declared favorability much lower than unfavorability. 50% of respondents believe that the country is getting better. 36% said it is getting worse, according to this new research by Centro Nacional de Consultoría. The government's peace policy has a negative image of 47% and a positive image of 42%. Nonetheless, after eight months of talks between guerrilla group the ELN, the Ejército de Liberación Nacional, and the Colombian government, an unprecedented bilateral ceasefire has finally begun. It is planned to last until the end of January. If it is successful, it will be the longest bilateral ceasefire ever held with a guerrilla group in this country. It also marks the beginning of the participation agreement signed by parties at the negotiating table. This involves a broad civil society coalition which will collect proposals from across the country on the changes needed for peace, a form of social input for ongoing negotiations over the next six months. Verification and monitoring will also now begin with a mechanism composed of civil, church, military and UN representatives working both at national and regional level. However, in the very first hours of the ceasefire, an attack on the army in the region of Chocó was attributed to the ELN. In addition, the ELN leader Aureliano Carbonell said last week that the group's financing activities, which include kidnapping, extortion, drug trafficking and illegal mining, will not stop, as the organisation must not, as he put it, be strategically weakened by the ceasefire. These negotiations have, however, still advanced further than any of Petro's other peace-building efforts, having called off the ceasefire with criminal group Clan del Golfo after their alleged involvement in violent mining protests earlier this year. Colombia is opening centres to process Haitian, Venezuelan and Cuban migrants and asylum seekers to the USA. Two centres are set to be located in Soacha and Cali. A third facility in Medellin has already begun operations. Processing sites are also planned for other countries, including Guatemala. These so-called safe mobility centres are being framed as an alternative for asylum seekers and migrants who might otherwise make the long and dangerous trip north to the US-Mexico border, though they have been criticised by human rights groups as a way for the US to outsource its border responsibilities. Meanwhile, the head of Panama's migration agency has criticised Colombia's lack of action and collaboration in controlling the flow of migrants through the extremely dangerous Darien Gap, which forms the border between the two countries. The number of individual crossings of the Darien Gap reached an all-time high of nearly 250,000 people in the first seven months of the year. 
This already surpasses the number of crossings for all of 2022. Those were your top stories for this week. Thanks for listening. Well, good afternoon, everyone. I'm Richard McCall here in Mompos, that's in Bolivar, five hours south from Cartagena and Colombia's Caribbean coast. This is a trial run, trial run of a live streaming of, well, uh, me. It's going to be reading my extract, an extract from my book, which will be available in November 2024, called The Mompos Project, A Tale or a Story of Love and Hotels in Colombia. I am the host of the long-running Columbia Calling podcast. It's been going for over 10 years, so you can check that out. Some of, the, uh, some of the videos are up here on the channel as well. And indeed, the host of the Latin News podcast. Right now, I'm in my library here in Monpos. Monpos is a beautiful town. It's a UNESCO World Heritage Site right on the banks of the Magdalena River. Have you read anything such as Wade Davis's book on Magdalena or Michael Jacobs' book, The Robber of Mer- Memories? Or anything by Gabriel Garcia Marquez, the Magdalena River actually plays a big part. And of course, if you think of the general in his labyrinth, Mompos doesn't exist. Sometimes we dream of her, but she doesn't exist. The final or the very memorable words of Simon Bolivar when he's here. It's this sort of four, three to four parallel roads to the river so very different from other colonial towns in that it follows the river so we've got the albarada the uh, uh the riverfront road of course the the name coming from the arabic and then you've got the calle del medium the middle street the calle atrás the behind street and the calle cuarta fourth street and they run obviously parallel to the river and most of the colonial so 45 square bo- blocks of colonial uh, restored, uh, most of it, is there in front of the river. The, and uh, my hotel, San Rafael, where I am now, is in front of the river. You open the doors and there is the river. And the other one, the other hotel that we opened in 2008, well, as a hostel, which is now a hotel, the Casa Amaria is on the other side of the Plaza Santa Barbara and also right in front of the river as well. So I have been writing and compiling stories, anecdotes, and so on from this area uh, for, well, it's now 16 or 17 years. And as an episode for the Columbia Calling podcast, and also here as a live stream, I thought I'd read perhaps one of the extracts, and it's about witchcraft in Mompos, but witchcraft, obviously, in particular in Colombia. So I figured that we would... uh, Uh, I would read from that to entice people to go and, well, note us down in their uh, diaries. This is a, uh, you know, it's a startup company. It's a startup uh, on every front. I've got a small editorial company called Fuller Fijil, and we will be publishing books in English about Colombia. We did publish one children's book in Spanish about uh, Año Nuevo, so New Year's Eve here in Colombia last year. Uh, written by Carolina Uribe and uh, illustrated by Paula McCall, who you may guess is my stepmother, but uh, in her uh, in her defense, she's an amazing artist, uh, very well known, very recognized internationally. And so we have been 
promoting her. And you can get that online at fullervigil, that's fuller, V-I-G-I-L dot com. Uh, you can just write to us there and we can send you a copy of this book in Spanish. But in November 2024 is the big launch. We're going to have three books in English about Colombia coming out. The Mompos, story, the Mompos Project, The Tale of Love and Hotels in Colombia. We have a book by Barry Max Wills. It's called Better Than Cocaine. It's about growing coffee in the coffee zone, owning a coffee, very successful coffee thinker there. He's Australian. And then we will have We Are Not Made of Sugar, which is by Andre Gomez Suarez, a, well, a renowned academic on issues of peace in, in Colombia. And it's his memoir of growing up in southwestern Colombia in Pasto and, of course, the political issues. He's now been a teacher at Oxford and then will be moving to Edinburgh as well to teach. He is very informed, very well published, and I'm hoping to make a splash with uh, all three books at the same time in November 2024. So keep checking back here, the Columbia Calling podcast, and also at fullervigil.com for news about this. But without further ado... I'm going to start reading. This is the manuscript here. But I'm going to start reading about witchcraft in Colombia because I think it's something that, you know, those of us perhaps in the West or Northern Europe or so on just don't think about. And, of course, it's not something I considered even being a, a barrier to me starting a life in Mompos or starting a life in a small town in the Colombian Caribbean coastal region. So... Well, this is, here it goes. This is chapter 19 of around 20-something chapters, but I am paring it down and, and, and putting stuff together, and it will be out in time. Witchcraft. My cousin is buried over there, he said, signaling to our newly planted rose patch. Wind back the clock six years. No newcomer to Latin America and traditional practices. I was ill-informed as to the depths of religious syncretism here in Montpós. Certainly, I was aware that, like in most places in the Americas, I would be able to find and experience strong Catholic binds left by the Spanish and the metissage, a blending, if you like, of Aboriginal religious practices and spirituality. In Guatemala, I recall the legend of how the Spanish conquistadors arrived in the highland town of Todos Santos Cuchumatan in the province of Huehuetenango and upon discovering a crucifix placed in a high point above the settlement and finding no explanation as to why this bastion of Christianity was to be found in such pagan and godless lands, they placed another cross alongside it. The excuse given by locals was that the cross had always been there, and having partaken in an ayahuasca ceremony in Iquitos, Peru, been cleansed with a boiled egg and had burning liquor spat on me in Ecuador, I have learned how to hedge my bets and gamble on both sides. Don't get me wrong, if Catholicism is needed, I am an Anglican Protestant, I'll sign up on the dotted line where required in a particularly virulent fever from a malarial relapse whilst hospitalized in Medellin, I found myself coming out of a delusional state with a priest praying at the foot of my bed. Surely this must have worked, after all. Only days later I was discharged. But with all of this experience and others, which I'll doubtlessly recall over time, I was in no way prepared for Mompos. 
marketed by many people in town and by the Colombia's Ministry of Tourism, eager to exploit any avenue to increase the hard currency income into Colombia and take full advantage of a more agreeable and stable political security situation in the country as a religious destination. I expected Montpost to be a Catholic destination par excellence. This all sounds so naive, but when you are brainwashed with information about seven ornate churches in an area of a town which probably has a permanent population of around 8,000 people, you start to believe that you are living amongst a pious bunch. And I had been writing articles for the travel pages about Montpos and interviewing guides and upstanding locals, but only in my capacity as a journalist, not as someone living here. Over time, and having earned the confidence and trust of most people, and being related to a large Montposino family, the truth has emerged. Montpos is, on the surface, religious, but like so many other towns of this type, the real belief, the strongest religions, remain amongst the lower, middle, and working classes. These groups are better represented in town, outnumbering the Spanish Creole families on a ratio of around 12 to 1. With these families, you are more likely to witness indigenous and Afro strains in their genetic heritage, and so you are already accommodating a much larger, and I believe, more interesting religious melting pot, one that represents the tapestry of contemporary Colombia. So six years into my Montpos experiment, coming and going between here and Bogota and on to our third renovation project, this time a huge former palace on the Plaza de la Concepcion, it was not a cause for upset, concern, or even displeasure that this friend, a cousin of a friend who had come to see the house and how we had returned it to its former opulence, had spoken of his uncle burying their primito, or little cousin, where now we have a thriving rose bed. The unfortunate turn of events occurred more than 50 years ago, back in the 1960s, when the young cousin died in childbirth, or soon afterwards. Rather than bury him in the cemetery, the grief-stricken parents buried him in the central patio of the garden and would place flowers at the base of a small plaque that was his final resting place. There is no plaque now. Apparently, the house was later sold to one of the region's first paramilitary leaders, a man called Will Roncayo, not remembered with much fondness here, and he lowered the rooftops, destroyed the colonial integrity of the house, and additionally removed the plaque. So how do I feel about this? Well, initially, my feeling is one of sadness for the family to have suffered this tra tragedy, but also I feel that there is an innocence to it all. No one, not one visitor to the house, has spoken of any negative feeling in the building, and a local shaman has spoken of the overall positivity he has associated with our new home. Perhaps we are being watched over. And do you know what? It shouldn't have come as a surprise to find out that it was one family member buried in the garden. There are very likely many more. Before the cemetery was built... At the top of the town, over what is now the highway, it's paved, people would have been buried in front of the nearby church or in their family home. Given that most churches in Montpos are near to the river and that water levels can rise notoriously, you can establish that a great many more cadavers were probably buried in their homes. In fact, early on in the renovation process, 
we discovered human bones under the Casa Amaria, our first project, alongside the careful stone masonry of the Spanish-made foundation bricks under the house. More about this later, though. For fear of sounding terribly new age and spiritual, I have to admit that my outlook on life and death has changed significantly since starting out and opening a business and being married into a family here. Things are different, beliefs are different, and behavior is different. Just as I used to laugh at how my mother-in-law, when we would be experiencing a drought of tourists, would go to mass in the morning, ask the priest to bless the house in the afternoon to ward away any negativity, and then follow this up by asking for a visit from the shaman on the following day. I may be European and in a post-religious state, but the people of Mompos are not. Their beliefs must be respected. Once a shaman visited to have a coffee with me one day and expressed a feeling that was pesado or heavy in the house, literally an unpleasant or negative presence, we called upon his skills to locate the source, directing my father-in-law over to one of the heavy flower pots laden down with abundant flowering bougainvillea plant outside the Casa Maria, they were able to dig up a buried toad. A mere coincidence? Hardly so. The hapless toad was extracted with its arms and legs bound together. A rudimentary online search informed me of what my in-laws and staff already knew. This was black magic. No earth had been disturbed around the toad, and so there was very little way of knowing how long it had been there. In fact, it could have been there from before our tenure in the Casa Maria, but this seems hardly likely. My feeling is that there was a rival business knowing, well, known for practicing witchcraft of this type whose owners started to feel put out by the gringo's success. Such unbridled envy resulted in this, a spell, for want of a better word, placed with the aim of damaging a business. Why, instead of trying to ruin my business, would they not place a spell to improve their own? My father-in-law, Alfonso, came down with a rotten fever. He was the one who found it and was shortly afterwards bedridden. The spell seemed to have lifted from the Casa Maria and transferred itself to him. Checking back over the books and around the time this happened, our nightly occupation rate increased significantly. This could have had something to do with the butterflies in the house, though, too. Alfonso pulled through. Fine, after a few days. Ah, the butterfly, something, a curio so inoffensive and seasonal that I would be a soulless cynic not to place any weight on this local superstition. I have always tried to approach conflicts and problems of any type in Mompos with a level head, but sometimes being in Colombia, being in a region with a Caribbean mentality, and then being in Mompos with all of the emotional cargo that this implies for a foreigner, leaves a great deal to be desired. We have more or less survived every onslaught thrown at us from other hotels as far as the aforementioned witchcraft. It was then that my family started mentioning butterflies. Apparently, if you see butterflies entering a room, albeit a room to rent, the sitting room or kitchen or any room, this is a sign that you are going to receive visitors or guests. We are running a hotel. I need guests. I need to pay my staff. And we've made it through the early lean years. Now it is time to recoup some of the cash invested into colonial rooftops 
and crockery. So a butterfly was good news, and the arrival of a butterfly would almost always coincide with the arrival of a guest, either that day or the following one. Was it a coincidence that butterfly season always coincided with European and North American summertime? I prefer to leave it to the butterfly superstition. Whether it was due to three years of flooding killing off all of our butterfly pupa, or whether there was something else more at play, the complete absence of larvae coincided perfectly with our least impressive summer in six years. This is prior to COVID, of course. Not one yellow Macondian butterfly, as if plucked from the memoirs of Gabriel Garcia Marquez in the town of Aracataca, appeared in two months. The clock had been turned back and we were reduced to waiting upon the arrival of buses from Cartagena and Barranquilla each day, just 200 yards from the front door, to see if we could scrape up or rescue a foreign tourist from the throng of mototaxi drivers and touts. In absolute desperation and in complete absence of yellow butterflies flitting between the high ceilings of the colonial structure and ancient beams of the Casa Maria, Carmen, the manager, would resort to something that only she would refer to as Wele Wele, or smell, smell. This Wele Wele had been concocted by a shaman from the Guajira region, known locally and only as Senor Juan, followed in town in tow by his new recruit, Samir. Senor Juan made a reasonable income, traveling from town to town along the coast, performing all sorts of otherworldly services for the ample reservoir of believers. Those hoping to lift themselves from poverty would save up to pay for his services. The infirm would ask for relief from pain and the envious, of which there seems to be many in this area, would smite out at those more sex, uh, successful than themselves. Senor Juan could detect malicious presences in your house, read your tobacco, and more or less offend just about anyone with his vile language. Once he pointed at my ankles and said, watch out for your blood pressure. Apropos of nothing. A careful blend of bottles with names such as Despojo Cuatro Ventas, Vende Todo, Raices, and bottles topped with a dollar bill taped to the side would appear in our deposit for cleaning products. The right blend sold by a salesman in the street not far from the San Francisco church promised, no, assured, immediate wealth. I am not ashamed to admit that it gave me some comfort when the cleaning staff would mix a little in with the detergent to wash floors and then scent the house with a pleasant aroma. And neither am I ashamed of when, in even deeper anxiety due to a lack of clientele, I sent out for more and stronger welly welly. Interestingly enough, on occasions it worked and on others it did not, but the pleasant scent left in the house from the blends of orange, red, and green liquids left a feel-good factor and lifted spirits and added to the overall feeling of general well-being in the casa. This isn't a bad thing, is it? So aside from keeping abreast of SEO techniques and maintaining an eye on the email account, publicizing our businesses with other similar businesses in key touristic destinations such as Cartagena and Santa Marta, and ensuring that we were appropriately documented in every guidebook, we pinned our hopes to yellow butterflies and a potion known only to us and prepared by Carmen as Huele Huele. Frankly, since tourism to Mompos is hardly indicative of tourism to Colombia as a whole, attracting architects, historians, 
bird watchers and eccentrics, we have our niche market for foreigners. And then the obligatory once-in-a-lifetime visit by Colombians recalling history classes and the need to discover the founding of their country. Having always associated witchcraft with goth-like members of the occult and washed-up hippies in the southwest of England near to where I went to university, it was, of course, a shock to see my manager, Carmen, taking a particular interest in the coffee grounds left in my morning cup. cup. In hindsight, it all makes perfect sense. At the time, I was dating her niece, now my wife, and she was on the lookout for my intentions. Alba and I had been married now since 2011, and so there's no fear of my intentions anymore, just interest in my income. Since, as Carmen says, if the Casa Maria goes well, then Richard goes well, and then my niece, Alba, goes well. Family ties run deep in Mompos, and intrusion on behalf of the family is not thought of as an imposition. Not that I have anything to fear, but I don't leave my coffee cup unattended anymore and drink my coffee from a black mug now so that my coffee grounds cannot be read. But it all makes sense, really. Why would you question such beliefs when you are immersed in them all of your life? My father-in-law, Alfonso, would not allow his daughter, Alba, to return to his hometown of Gamarra along the banks of the Magdalena River for fear of a witch seeing her and harboring a grudge against her beauty. Unremarkable in that it's a port town not too far from the highway crossroads of Aguachica. Guamara is known as one of the places in Colombia of having the highest incidence of black magic witches in Colombia. A fact that I am sure to regale tourists with when we pause there for a bathroom break traveling on the river from Barranca Bermeja to Mompos. So if you know the town to have this many witches and envious witches at that, why would you run the risk of exposing your daughter to this? Well, that's life here. Have you ever thought about visiting or even moving to Colombia's lush and welcoming Coffee Axis? We at Coffee Axis Travel can provide a personalized service from before your arrival to guide you through the process of setting up a new life here in Colombia's coffee region. We will help you find a place to live, help you navigate contracts and leases, advise you on your visa application and how to open a bank account, and more. With over 10 years of experience in this region, Erin Donaldson, originally from Reno, Nevada, can provide unrivaled knowledge about an area in which she is unashamedly passionate. Check out www.coffeeaxistravel.com for further information on Half Day or full-day lifestyle tours and any bespoke consulting required in setting up your new life in Colombia. That's www.coffeeaxistravel.com, where you can get in touch. In front of the river, just before a ramshackle market area where smallholders across the river from the department of Magdalena to Bolivar, back in Mompos, just a few blocks down from where the San Francisco church was a house inhabited by a mystic, or culebrero. A culebrero is more or less a snake charmer, but this individual was believed by most to have otherworldly powers. From what I could see from visits to the once regal building was that he was squatting there by virtue of the, the fact that no one wanted to earn his wrath and evict him. Legend has it that the culebrero had buried all sorts of black magic paraphernalia to protect himself there and ward off any potential buyers for the building. 
I never really paid him much bother, but was curious about the house and once, when he was absent, took a look around and learned that this had a financial role during the colonial era and money would be processed or minted here. There were said to be underground escape tunnels and immeasurable riches buried in unknown places beneath the colonial tires and decades of pigeon shit. My only contact with the culebrero was when I would take a daily stroll up to the market to see about buying fresh fruit. Papayas, mangoes, corroso, watermelons and pineapple always abounded depending on the season. And for a fortnight, we had a guest from the USA called Robert staying. A macrobiotic chef, Robert would accompany me. Clad in his traditional Thai fisherman's trousers, billowing out with the occasional breeze, Robert was a Californian, short, in his 40s, and completely bald. Without fail, the culebrero would be in front of his house as we passed. And I think for 14 straight days straight, the culebrero would offer Robert a remedy for his male pattern baldness. A pat on the head, and then waving his hands over various jars before him, the culebrero would insist. I knew Robert could see the offer, but he never made any motion that he was interested. Part of me wished he would have tried to see just to learn about the potions. But the last I heard of the culebrero was that he was evicted and that he had invited a backpacker into the forecourt to look at an indigenous pre-Columbian pottery, known here as mukura. The well-meaning backpacker was indeed interested to the point when the culebrero gestured to the foreign adventurer to open a large box on the floor. Thinking nothing of it, the poor guy nearly backflipped after lifting the lid and finding a live rattlesnake inside. Butterflies, rattlesnakes, and fortune tellers, along with a mutilated toad for good measure. Nothing too out of the ordinary for a rural Colombian Caribbean town, I think you'll agree. And after growing accustomed to the superstitions and whispers and gossip, I think in conclusion that the witchcraft here is more isolated to the smaller towns and villages. Here you can hear of women that turn into owls at night and whose chilling and blood-curdling shriek places a type of superstitious local curfew. It's not only the paramilitaries who prohibit children in the street after dark, but also Fermina's grandmother. I only mention Fermina since when I was asking after this topic amongst members of my extended family here, this was the name which popped up with regularity. Incidentally, to kill a witch, should you need to, you'll need to lick the bullet with, which, with the sign of the cross. This, provided your aim is true, should do the trick. Here's a post data to this chapter. This chapter was one of the first ones I completed and one about which I have been fairly wary about publishing, given that I am in no way qualified to negate the existence of otherworldly entities and different beliefs. However, I now find myself here looking at my computer screen in danger of wishing to reopen the text and continue writing. The topic could, in my opinion, be a great project for a doctoral thesis. So the chapter is once again reopened, and why? Well, we have been subject to further witchcraft that merits mention in these pages. And as the situation is separate, but similar to the aforementioned cases of witchcraft, it seems to me appropriate that it be written here and I don't try and slide it in incongruously into another section. 2013 was not a great year, enough to maintain the business and make an insipid profit. 
Perhaps we have become arrogant or overconfident and content to rest on the laurels of yesteryear when Colombia was experiencing a tourism boom. But having spoken to friends in Cartagena and other bastions of the tourism industry here, they too have affirmed my fears. The figures arriving in Colombia are being mulched and interpreted in a Heath Robinson fashion to make the most of a decent situation. If Cartagena suffers, then how are we to feel here in the sticks? Numbers dropped off and there was a feeling of ill will in the town. The jazz festival came and went in October and eased worries as the town was momentarily bursting at the seams for the performances of the Tennessee University Big Band, Chocid Town and others. But this wave of euphoria and mild economic relief was nothing more than a burst of bad breath rather than the favorable winds of change. Cancellations were coming in faster than reservations. Finally, my wife Alba suggested we speak to her friend in Bogota, one who possessed a special insight. Venturing into unknown territories in Bogota, we were ushered into the fortune teller's home. Her garage, now given over to being a spiritual surgery, we sat around the table as prayers were said. Nidia, her name, drew out the tarot cards, used a pendulum, asked for images of the Casa Maria, and passed a candle beneath them. As we asked questions of her about what could be happening in Montpós, she calmly turned over the pictures of the Casa Maria and showed us points of the copy, which had deeper, more telling stains from the candle than others. These sections, Nidia explained, were an indication of where someone had passed a spell on the hotel. Further questions fielded, we were able to garner that this was someone with a serious envy towards us. But not an individual associated with the town, more likely someone with a desire to blackmail us into hiring his services to relieve us of the spell and return the business to a more favorable economic situation. Initially, I was relieved that we were not once again the target of our neighbors and colleagues in the hotel business. The description given was that a tall, thin, and dark man in a wide-brimmed hat hailing from La Guajira, and most particularly with YU heritage, had done this. We were told that once we started the cleansing of the house, this person would appear more frequently and we would be able to identify him. Some of the scorched plants in the garden, which presumably had been affected by the curse, were to be removed using gloves, swept up into black bin bags, secured with three knots and thrown into the river. Curative plants were placed in each corner of the garden and the house was thoroughly washed with the wele wele. Overlooking the importance of using gloves, Esther, that's my mother-in-law, started the process and immediately suffered a painful rash, just like one would with a skin allergy. But it was done, and almost the moment the appropriate practices were put into play, nine tourists showed up on the doorstep and reservations once again began to hit the inbox. Even one of our maids made mention of the fact that once the crisp and damaged flowers had been moved, something in the house changed, as if a heavy onus had been lifted. So who was this mystery man and why would he want to do us harm? Nidia could not give us any further details about the identity of this man, but she was clearly perturbed. She spoke of feeling chills when she was reading the cards, and she was incredibly worried about the strength of the spells placed on the Casa Maria. Someone had to have access 
to the garden and at some point to have buried whatever it was they did to ensure that it wasn't easily found or undone. This part of the story has never been clarified, but not long afterwards, a man fitting the descriptions given by Nidia arrived at the Casa Maria looking for Carmen. Hearing that she was not home, he continued on to her house. Running errands, only her maid was present. He introduced himself to her as the curandero, who could relieve negative energies. Upon recounting this tale in the pub in Bogota later, a friend's husband asked me how much I believed in these processes, and my response really only came down to one thing. So bad was the financial situation that if this worked, and once again offered at least a respite from these several months of losses, then I am all in. We all laughed, beer had been consumed, but in the back of my mind that I had now been more affected by my, well, six years at this time in Montpos. Really, I know now that I have been awakened to something else beyond that of routine and organized religions, something more ethereal, and to an individual quite definitely raised in a post-religious situation in Europe, quite startling and axiomatic. No, I am not pinning up dream catches or placing candles at the base of various auspicious saints, but I am aware of something else out there beyond our reach. So that's as far as I've written on this chapter. There are more things to add, and that's the biggest problem I have with this book, is that it just keeps on growing, but I am putting a line under it. The next segment in that chapter will be about the vulture. And it is, I, a vulture did... Uh, was found in my house one night, a different house called La Concepcion, was found in my house one night. And when I spoke to a local, I guess she's a witch, called Juana, uh, we have a good relationship, fortunately. When I spoke to a local witch called Juana, she said that's very bad news because a vulture is the embodiment of a black witch coming into your house at night. So, of course, we had to... Um, Bless the house again, but the smell of a vulture is awful, and it flew against the walls and left sort of grease trails. And of course, they've been, you know, rooting around in ripened garbage for hours, days, months without washing, and so on. Of course, they don't wash, uh, and the smell was awful. And I think when they get nervous, they vomit too. So there was vomit in a room that it flew into along the walls. We had to repaint the walls anyway. It was an experience, uh, not one that I wish to repeat. I did manage to get a rake out of the garden and scoop up the uh, vulture and flick him over the wall uh, into an empty house next door, into an empty house. So anyway, that was that. Anyway, I hope you've enjoyed this. I hope this entices you to, well, hopefully read the book in the future, buy the book in the future. We will be bringing it out first as an ebook and then physically, and I'll be sending it everywhere. But uh, as a different uh, podcast episode for you as well, I think it made sense for me to read the chapter here in Montpos in my library before books and novels given to me by other writers who have worked here in Colombia. Thank you to Lachlan Page, Caroline uh, Doherty de Novoa. Uh, I've got a book here by Jer Jenny Aaron Smith. Again, all of these are friends to me. Ian McKinley in Canada. Uh, I, I hope I've not missed anyone out, but, uh, you know, these are books behind me, a lot given by the authors themselves, and that means a lot. Uh, of course, we take gifts of books. I do read them all, and I hope, hope do, some, do some promotions and so on. But uh, anyway, that's, that's me for this week. I hope you've enjoyed this different uh, 
this different episode uh, about the Mompos project, a story of love and hotels in Colombia. And of course, we will do something similar to this with Barry Max Wills and his Better Than Cocaine book, and indeed with Andre Gomez Suarez and his We Are Not Made of Sugar book before the launch of these books. And I hope to have some sort of uh, tertulias or roundtable discussions and book readings held in Bogota and perhaps elsewhere when we start the whole promotion and launch process. And uh, of course, we'll be selling copies of the books of those and indeed copies of Carolina's book, El Año Nuevo, a book for sort of between five and eight years of age, uh, children of five and eight years of age in Spanish. So thank you so much for listening and bearing with me this long. Check out fullervigil.com, check out columbiacalling.co. And if you're interested in the region, I am also the host of the Latin News Podcast. That's thelatinnewspodcast.com. Thank you again and bye-bye. The Columbia Calling podcast is sponsored by Latin News, a leading source of political and economic analysis on Latin America and the Caribbean since 1967. Their flagship publication, the Latin American Weekly Report, provides a behind-the-scenes briefing on all the week's key developments throughout the region. Sign up for a 14-day free trial at latinnews.com. We are also sponsored by... BNB Columbia Tours, which is a leading tour operator providing a wonderful range of exclusive small group shared tours for those over 50, along with customizable private tours to both popular and off-the-map destinations throughout this beautiful and diverse country. If you're interested in experiencing one of their unforgettable journeys through Colombia, be it a shared tour with like-minded travelers or creating a unique private package of your own just complete the form on the columbia calling website that's www.columbiacalling.co or the bnb columbia tours website that's www.bnbcolumbia.com and they'll be in touch within 24 hours to answer all of your questions and to start the planning of your exclusive colombian adventure so that's bnbcolumbia.com and latin news Dot com. Thank you for supporting our sponsors.